Hello, welcome to Cats Got Your Tongue, our feline-friendly podcast in association with the charity Cats Protection. I'm your host, Adam Brown, uh, and let me just tell you, cats are my best friends. Uh, I've got no qualms saying that to you. I absolutely adore cats, which is why this podcast is such good fun to present. Now, in each episode, we chat to celebrity guests. We hear all about the cats in their lives, and we also attempt to tackle your cat questions and queries too. Now, obviously, we've established throughout this series that I do love cats, but as they say, every day is a school day, and there's always so many new and exciting and interesting things we can learn about the world of cats, which is why I've got Nikki here with me, as always, who's our resident cat expert from Cats Protection, and uh, what she doesn't know about cats isn't worth knowing. Uh, there you go, that's a big, big build-up for you, <laughs> yeah, then, isn't it? No, it's true, though. Like, honestly, like over the past, you know, several episodes we've done of this podcast the amount of things that I've learned just from your insight is like you all do a whole new world about cats thank you so That's yeah great. how are you today all right great thank you how are you doing yeah not too bad not too bad I've got a little bit of a uh, cat related dilemma of my own you know my cat oh, yeah. Ruby who's like my daughter um <laughs> she's got some quite bad knots at the minute oh yeah yeah so I've, uh, she's booked in with a groomer because last time she had to actually go to the vets mm-hmm. and um she had to have this the, the, the shave the full shave yeah. yeah and the vet did say to me listen it won't it won't look great we're just going to shave it all off i was expecting like you're not going to feather it in and you know make it look <laughs> on like no no we don't do that at the vet sadly it's, it's, it's just for one length <laughs> yeah so nikki you're on hand as always to answer any queries and offer advice uh, on your cats and also uh, there's no such things as stupid questions so if you're listening to this podcast and you've got anything you want to ask about your cat or the world of cats then get in touch we'll do our best to help you pod at cats.org.uk is exactly how you do that we also want to hear your funny stories let's face it everyone loves a cat story don't they yeah and cats are the most entertaining animal ever in my opinion uh, cat related dilemmas something we like to call your cat's tails we're doing that a little bit later on in the podcast today we'll be going through those later with this week's special guest who i'm so excited to have on the podcast should we uh, introduce him nikki definitely so each week on cats got your tongue we're joined by a guest who loves cats just as much as I do. And today's guest knows more about small animals than most people uh, because you'll have seen him on TV plenty of times. It's the wonderful Dr. Bolu Esso. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, thank you. Good. It's re- I was so excited to have you here, by the way. <laughs> so, so excited to... I'm excited to be here. ...sit down and talk all things cats with you. Let's get Because I know you're super passionate about it Come as well. Uh, and today, of course, uh, this is a special episode as well, which is why we've enlisted your help, Bolu, uh, because we're going to basically get into all the questions that listeners have sent us throughout this series. So there's loads of different questions covering all manner of things related to the world of cats. So are you ready to take on the challenge? Bring it on. I'm flattered. Let's go. <laughs> so I think the best way to uh, start, as we always start with uh, our guests on this podcast, is a little bit of a quick fire kind of round. Uh, <laughs> it's not a quiz show, but you know what I mean? A little bit quick, just to get an insight into you a little bit more. Okay. Uh, obviously, we deal with cats regularly yeah. uh, with your job. Yeah. Are you a cat owner yourself? I'm not a cat owner. Have I'm you ever been a cat owner? No, close, close. <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah, close. With my job, it's always close. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Everything yeah. comes in, you want to adopt it, you want to take over it. I mean, there was one cat, I'll go real quick, but there was one cat that came to the practice. It was a stray a kitten, uh, really small. He's a black and white like cow cat. Uh, and he came in and the girls were like, you can't leave him here. It's a Friday and nobody's here on Saturday and nobody's on Sunday. You have to go home with somebody. And everybody's like, Bolly, you live alone. <laughs> and I was, like, I, was like, I was like, oh, okay. And I took him home and funny enough, like we spent 24 hours together and we had like an amazing time. I made like a whole montage of it, put it on social media. And literally I've never had so much feedback on people pressuring me to foster a cat in my life. Like it like went super viral, like in like, like five to 10 million views or something like that. Oh, wow. My inbox was flooded with people saying, Foster fail, Foster fail, <laughs> like keep him. And I was like, I can't, I had to make like this apology, like I can't keep him because yeah. like, even though I really do enjoy his company, I don't have the lifestyle to, yeah. to permit for him right now. Um, so that's how close I got to being a cat. And his name was Green uh, and he oh. lives with his uh, new foster mum at the moment. That was how close I was to fostering but could a Could you see yourself eventually being a cat? Owner? 100%. Like when your lifestyle changes <laughs> and he slows down a little bit. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Cats are like, as in I would happily, if I got a nice big house and I slowed down from work and I wasn't worked out, yeah. I'm a cat man all over, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you will have one one day. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or oh, maybe more inevitable. than one. Or yeah. maybe more than one. Yeah, it's inevitable. Um, so, you know, what do you love about cats so much? Because even though you're not a cat owner, I can tell just by, you know, the, the passion that you have when you talk about cats mm. or when you mention cats, what is it about them that you love? Do you know what? I think, I think as a vet, I don't know, weirdly, I get a passion whenever I talk about any animal, so I yeah. could fool anybody. If you told me like iguanas, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, like, what? <laughs> what's not to love about iguanas? Yeah, that's a different podcast, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iguanas got your tongue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the spin-off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 
generally, like I think I started off quite early in life. Um, most people, like you know, as a dog person, I generally love dogs a lot. And then as I came into my vet career, you come into contact with a lot of cats. And it's like, I just really want to understand their behavior and how they think and lots of stuff. And the more I started to learn about them, the more I started to realize that cats aren't little dogs, they're cats. And there is a reason why cats are worshiped. Like there is like, you know, they're really magnificent. They're amazing beings. And the more you learn about them and the more like, they're actually elite. Like they're pretty, they're, they're, they're pretty elite. Like the fact that they go around stuff, the way they manage themselves, the way they can like, you know, almost to a point take care of themselves, but I don't like to enforce that too much because then people almost kind of neglect them, but. Yeah. They got skills. They got yeah. skills, like you know, and you just like <laughs> I respect it, you know. I respect your hustle cats, you know. Like I like that a lot. So yeah, I, I rate a cat. <laughs> well, that is a moment you go, yeah, they're elite. They're yeah, elite. Yeah. just elite, top shelf. We love that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, what do you say are the most sort of common issues that you see with cats that you treat? Is it is there something that happens a lot? Yeah. Um. I think the big thing about cats is husbandry, because husbandry leads to a lot of other uh, issues that we see, like health complaints. Uh, and number one thing I probably see a lot with health complaints in cats will probably be uh, lower urinary disease, so lower urinary tract disease. So that's like cats that get blockage, can't urinate. Mm -hmm. If you've got a male cat that can't urinate, that can often become a medical emergency. So we see them a lot, and that's what we call a blocked cat. So we have to intervene quite quickly, quite rapidly, otherwise they can possibly die yeah. so that is something that we see a lot um and then for me i'm a big advocate for dentistry and i would absolutely kick myself in the foot if i did not say talk about um uh, dentistry because dentistry we don't talk about dentistry in our pets enough especially considering how much we have a great relationship with our pets and dogs are already the poster boys for dentistry and cat dentistry like we need to look in our cat's mouths because they they have so many issues with their teeth that people completely miss because they're just like, oh, he's eating or she's eating, oh, they're fine. But really they're suffering with some serious pain in there and they're just eating, but they're going through it because it's instinctual for them to eat. It's a survival tactic for them to eat, but they get a lot of pain because they get what we call resorptive lesions oh, where yeah. part of their tooth resorbs. And because the part of the tooth resorbs is basically like a hole in their tooth and it becomes very painful because the nerves are exposed, the bones exposed and it's like, but they just get on with it because yeah. they're so hardy and they tend to hide things as well. So dentistry is another big thing. So every time I see a cat with like a dental issue or actually other way around, every time I see a cat, majority of the time they have dental issues. And so I have to pick that up on the owner and then push them to go and get their dentistry checked and yeah. get teeth and checked. I and imagine and often the owner doesn't even know. They don't. No, no. Everybody's like, oh, he's been fine. Oh, yeah. he's, you know, he's eating. But I'm like, when you look at me, is he eating on one side of his mouth or does he kind of just graze at, at the hard food and put it down? And then just, does he just lick the gravy or does he just kind of like, yeah. you know, just nibble at the soft food? Then there's all kind of signs that yeah. his mouth kind of hurts a little bit, so. Yeah, Nicky, because obviously, you know, <clears throat> there's probably some telltale signs, but they are quite hard to spot, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Well, like Polly said, like those are a lot of the times. Grinding's another one. We hear mm. that kind of, kind of grinding on one side. Yeah. And you hear that you can actually mix the sound, but um, it's really hard because they do have to eat. The thing I find as a vet nurse um, and having you know worked with cats in practice is people really worry about getting their taking their cats in for a dental and having extractions. However, once um, you know very quickly they've recovered from having a few teeth out, people are amazed at how how well the cats do with eating. But not only that, they it brings like a new you know, spring in their step, like they're more playful, they're happier in themselves. Like it's a much, it just improves their well-being so much that people are like really shocked at the transformation and then it makes them really think, oh gosh, that's how much pain they're in before. Yeah. And you just don't realise it because as you said, cats, it's so subtle. Yeah, and the fundamental thing we're addressing there is the pain, like, yeah. you know, because they have pain in so many different other parts yeah. of their, their life that the mouth, like, you know, once you ease that away from them, they, they start feeling amazing. And I always say the best dental patient is a dental patient with no teeth. <laughs> once they've got no teeth, there's no problems, right? And people always tell me, but how they eat? They, they find do. a way. They always find Because if they're eating, like, I don't know if you've ever had a toothache. I've had a toothache before. When I was in the university, I had a filling. I, used, I had a childhood riddled with sweets, so I used to have bad teeth. And I had a filling that fell out, and it meant I had a hole exposed in my tooth. And that pain, I was drumming my head against the wall. Literally, I'd like ram my head against them because it was a lot better than dealing with the pain. And they get that pain and they're still eating. So imagine once that pain's gone, they're so much better for it. So it's one of those things I tell people to look at. 
a yeah. lot different. I, I had a wisdom tooth extracted and I, I, I sort of moaned for about two weeks. So I, lived to my mom. <laughs> I, to, I had to go home to my parents' house because I was like, I couldn't go from my home. <laughs> this is only two years ago, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go home and say to my mom, will you just look after me, please? <laughs> she was just like, what's happening? I've had a wisdom tooth. I was like, all right, okay. So yeah, you, might, you can imagine what our cat would feel. Exactly. And the worst thing about cats is they hide pain. Yeah. yeah. They hide pain, they exactly. hide stress. And everyone's like, oh, they're fine. Because they, exactly. they, it's so, so subtle. The little signs they show us. So have you got like a main bit of advice that you could sort of give cat owners um, to make sure they keep the cats fit and healthy as possible? Is there just like a, what's the one thing that you would kind of oh, advise that maybe people overlook other than the, the dental kind of yeah. side of things? It's, it's, it's a trigger if you're asking me for advice because I just start going down a rabbit hole. Main bits of advice to make sure, look, it's hard to incentivize cats to uh, live a fit and healthy lifestyle. Like it's hard to do that because obviously with a dog, you can take them to the park and yeah. you can run them around. And cats, if a cat doesn't want to exercise, it's pretty tough to like, okay, come on, like, you know, put the steps in, he's just going to look at you and walk away. So a lot of it is, as an owner, you have to be really on it um, when it comes to feeding and restricting feed or controlling how much food you're giving, but also being aware that your treats add on to it as well. So making sure you're accounting for how much you're adding with treats, being careful with the whole leaving dry food out for them 24-7, because even though they are, cats are, cats have evolved to eat like 15 to 20 meals in a day. But even though you're leaving food out for them, you have to also bear in mind that a cat, if it was in the wild, even though they're not in the wild anymore, if they're in the wild, they would have a lot of failed attempts at trying to get prey. So they're working for their prey, right? Yeah. They're always constantly working and they're exercising, they're fixating, they're constantly burning the calories. When they're in a home lifestyle, they're not doing all of that stuff. So the fact that there's an ad libitum bowl over there that just can just an all you can eat buffet, they can just keep going back to it. <laughs> they're gonna keep going back and forth and eat it. And the biggest problem problem is obesity. That is the yeah. huge one. So if you want them to live a fit and healthy lifestyle and for a long time, which all of us want, stay on top of their diet. Really stay on top of their diet. Um, and then the rest of it is just understanding how they communicate with each other how they communicate with your surroundings as well, because, you know, litter trays is a big one and making sure there's enough litter trays in the house and tending that, tending that to the cats as well and enrichment, environmental enrichment, because that keeps them fit and active. Regular vet checks come and see me often, <laughs> at least like, you know, at least twice a year, you know, and I'd say if they're over seven years old, make sure you get them screened for blood tests, because especially if they're indoor cats, they may be more predisposed to a lot of hormonal conditions as well, which we can't detect unless we do blood. Mm. And if we don't do the blood test, then we won't detect it. And especially over, after seven, we've got this increased incidence of them getting, you know, thyroid issues, diabetes, high blood pressure. And these are all things that we can't check unless we do the more invasive tests. And I know that veterinary care is more expensive, but these are things that if we catch them early, the cat can be swimming for the rest of their life. You know, they're, they're sailing for the rest of their life. They're, they can be really well looked after, but if we catch them late, that's when things get difficult. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are big things to keep your cats fit. I, I do leave out dry food all the time. No, but it's, uh, yeah, I, th I, I imagine quite a lot of cat owners do because do. my issue is if I'm out during the day, then obviously she'll have a, the two main meals where she has wet food and dry food. Mm. But then my worry is that like, if I'm not there, she needs to have something to eat. Yeah. But she does graze throughout the day. Yeah. And so like you say, it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet, but if I go to that, I'll, have, I'll do a 5K before I go. So yeah. she's not doing yeah. that, she's so... And, and that's a big thing. Do you know what? Food is a really delicate subject for us, I think, because as people, we show affection through feeding, right? Yeah. Like food is so personal to us. So even when I'm discussing with owners that your cat's a bit fat, it's like, oh, I can never. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, mm. okay, not fat, more cushion for the pushing, but like, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, you need to kind of work and trim it down, but it's because it's personal to us. Yeah. And we really think it reflects on us, how we feed our cats or, or how we feed our pets in general. Mm. Um, and I'm always like, look, Honestly, it does no harm if you take away that food and then you feed them in the evening because once they're overweight, even just a little bit extra, it means that that extra weight that they have for the whole year is so much more that you can push. Like it's so much harder to get rid of that extra weight because it's so hard to, to, to get them back to normal weight yeah. when you've overfed them just a tiny bit. Like, the yeah. main thing is about having the 24-hour allowance for that individual cat and, what's, and working that out with your vet, vet nurse. Mm. And then as long as you've not gone over that, and it's, you could probably leave that down. Mm. And then once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And then until you the next day, and then they get their new allowance. Yeah. You say, I don't do that. And, 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 <laughs> but I don't know, I, because I didn't know. Yeah, so, okay. not, yeah like, yeah, fine, I was just like, oh, a bowl's empty, let's fill it up. Yeah, and so many people are like that as well. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, he grazes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, do you measure how much? Nah, just, just make it full. And I'm like, nah. 
Well, you know, like if you think about us and we just had like an unlimited store of candy, we probably will keep yeah. going back to it. No, like, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, is that especially when they're indoors or if they're not particularly got um, any particular incentive to exercise a lot, they're just going to keep... The only exercise they're going to do is when they get up to walk to the food bowl and then, <laughs> and then back to wherever they're going to sleep and then back again. Yeah. Right? So, it, it, it seems obvious though, like now yeah. we've said it, but you know, it's... Yeah, maybe I need to calculate how much you should be having and actually do that, weigh it out and, and things like that. Because it's easy to do, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I say, then you know exactly how much she's having each day. Exactly. I mean, she luckily, she's actually, well, visually looks like she's in okay shape and stuff, but <laughs> I don't know. I'll be checking her teeth when I get back, yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, uh, so one more thing as well, Bolly, before we move on to uh, answering some questions that have been sent in by the listeners of Cats Got Your Tongue. You know when you're um, sort of treating a cat? Yes. Do you have like a voice that you do? <laughs> you expected me to, dis- to, to demonstrate do you know what do you do well obviously it's like super professional but at the same time it is a really cute cat that you'd be treating you know so. what actually I think I'm actually very uh, I don't have a I don't think I have a cat voice I think I just talk to them really perfect like I just what they're professional yeah professionally they're, <laughs> yeah. they're my clients after the day so yeah. I'm like you know I'm, I'm doing good to see you sir yeah exactly take a seat. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not gonna lie I'm actually like that I'm like oh hey that kind sir very nice to meet you can I uh, take your blood thank you <laughs> very much um and it's a lot of that like to be fair what's strange i think about my relationship with cats especially in the practice is i actually ask them like uh, like no is it okay for me to do this like you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, with, with 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 dogs as well to be fair i do it with dogs as well but it's like this kind of is it okay if i take it i'm gonna take this paw now is that all right well there is a bit of a voice creeping in there the picture's coming in but yeah. um but yeah it is very much like you know we're we're just constantly having a conversation yeah, yeah. i ignore my nurses and i'm just like hey <laughs> the cat so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. it's coming it's it's ca- when, when you become a cat owner He's not going back 100%. then. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a generic nickname for cats? No, or I'm, pets when you're oh, in practice? I'm Do you know you've so forgotten their name? Yeah. Which happens. Um, <laughs> a nickname. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm actually really bad in, I do the opposite. I know their names, but then I nickname the names that they have. Uh. So like, you know, I had a, I had a dog called Wilson and I, and I called her Wilsden Junction and, <laughs> and Willie. And like, I'm like, okay. And the cat comes in, he's like Mozart. So I'll call him like, you know, I might say Wolfgang or Amadeus. Or, like, you know, I'll just, I'll just, I always just find a way to make it not their name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, how do you know we call him that? And I was like, oh, I, I just yeah. nickname everything. So. You're going to be such a great cat owner because that's like, just <laughs> Yeah, you have, you have 20 different names for your cat. That isn't, exactly. None of them are the actual name of the cat either. <laughs> um, so, Bolo, you staying with us. Uh, we're going to move on to our Cat's Tales next on Cat's Got Your Tongue. Welcome back to Cat's Got Your Tongue. Uh, my name's Adam Brown, and now it is time for your Cat's Tales. This is where we get to hear from you uh, with your feline disasters, your success stories, questions, pretty much anything cat-related, really. We're here to help. Now, uh, Dr. Bolo, have you got a cat's tale for us? Oh, so, so many. I think when they come into practice, I hear all sorts of things about people with cats. Uh, and a lot of people will tell me about how prolific their cats are at hunting. Yeah. Really good at hunting, you know, amazing hunters. And I hear all kinds of stories about like, you know, people bringing in, their, their cats bringing in squirrels and mice and pigeons and like hedgehogs. And Is it a gift though, Nick? Is it the, cause that's the, is that a bit of a common misconception that it's like it, a gift to the owner? Well, yeah, so I think the gift idea was about 15 years old and that's certainly what people used to think. Um, whereas nowadays, and again, it's, things can set to change, that's the beauty of science. But at the moment we're thinking it's more about bringing prey back to the core territory, which often involves the house and it's where they feel safe and secure to have, te- have prey. So. It's, it's hard because it's one of those ones I feel that people tolerate it because they think it's a gift. And if they find out it's not, they're like, ugh. Yeah. You know, like it, that's like, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. But yeah. my random fact about prey is um, shrews taste horrible. So that if they catch a shrew and bring it back, um, they won't eat it, generally speaking, because they taste nasty. And there is actual, actual studies where they've <laughs> looked at shrew meat versus um, field bowl and uh, wood mouse. And they, they, yeah. Uh... So they just leave that, yeah. And you yeah, go, they leave yeah, that because it yeah. tastes, tastes horrible to them. Yeah, you have to take. That's interesting, actually. Maybe it's just something to do with the shrew's diet. Probably because yeah. they're insectivores. That's the other thing. If you find a shrew in your house, like you haven't got that long to get them back outside, because um, they're they're more likely to die compared to a mouse. Right, okay. oh, I, that's I, another great reason for having a cat is that I cat mice and stuff. Like really? That. Yeah, I'm really, really jumpy with that. Oh. Really jumping. <laughs> oh, so you need you need my mouse trick, which is because I'm quite quite good at catching mice. I pride myself on that. Um, just a welly boot, honestly. What do you mean? So you use a welly boot as, as long as you're okay with this, by the way. I should well, point out to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just use one of my own welly boots, and you use it almost as a tunnel. 
So it's, it's in a nice, dark, safe place for yeah. a, rat, a mouse to run into. And then I just, you make sure you do it along the skirting boards and things like that, because they're never going to go out right into the, the open. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of more agoraphobic like that. So they'll go along. The, and as long as you've got to like, do a few wellies, if, they're, if I know they're under something, yeah. and then they'll go into that. And then I can usually take the welly boot outside and then gently Don't tip it outside. That's... Yeah, like gently, yeah, like out there, and then and then they jump off and they're fine. Uh, so. That's such a better method than my current method, which is just scream, move and fucking someone and dance out. That cup is bang. I've moved out of flats before when I've, I've seen a mouse and I'm gone. Well, that's me done. I can't have to leave. Honestly, oh, no. I've done it before. Yeah. So if I was more local, I'd have to come around and sort yeah, it out yeah. for you. Well, now, all, and all this time, all I needed was a pair of wellies. Yeah. Unbelievable. All you need. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very hands-on. Like I'll just sit. <laughs> Well, this I'm, is I'm why you get people ringing you about bats at two. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're not going to ring it. me. I'm clear. They're like, Adam's useless. And we're just ring Bolo instead. Um, so we're going to move on to um, some questions that have been sent in by the listeners of uh, Cat's Got Your Tongue. Uh, first off, we've got one from Julie. You sent us a voice note. Hello, Julie. Hi, this is Julie. Um, just contacting you. Uh, thank you for your great show, by the way. I'm loving it. Um, just contacting you. Um, I've got two cats who are litter mates and they get on really well one of them knows greedy little thing bless him he always tries to steal the other one's food um i've tried lots of things to slow him down tried feeding in different rooms doesn't seem to help it's quite difficult to do in a small place um yeah if you've just got any tips to help um that would be great thank you mm. You know what? It's nice having a behaviourist right, right <laughs> on the other side of the corner because it's, because also there's a lot of things I say that okay I've used them to help me in consults a lot of the time and a lot of the time what's nice about veterinary medicine is multidisciplinary so we always can like you know lean on each other and as much as I do all these other things there's times when I'm like okay yeah you know, it's, it's nice to have like a behaviourist and back up a lot of the things that you're saying um, one of the big things I say is that like cats aren't necessarily um, like familial feeders it's not a thing for them to be like it's it's meal time let's all eat together like you know <laughs> let's all sit down and have a meal you know it is very much like a there's there's almost this kind of they can become quite protective about resources and so it's like okay this is the food and that's why sometimes you get the cats that you know when you give them food they wolf it down really quickly and often when you have like one particularly greedy cat in the house they'll see the other cat's food and like i'm gonna wolf mine and wolf yours and it's gone and so sometimes i discuss with um carers about having multi like feeding stations so multiple feeding stations, so like having separate feeding stations within the house so that cats cats like their territories, they're territorial. And sometimes there's places where they spend more time in. And so it's always nice to like, you know, section a part of the house for one cat and that cat has a feeding regularly in that area and the other cat has a feeding in another area. Now, if you've got a particularly greedy cat, they can be particularly stubborn and <laughs> go in their area and go in someone's area. Now, another thing, another way to combat that could also be knowing their strength. So one cat might be more agile than the other. So maybe feeding that. at a higher, yeah. a higher, a higher <laughs> stage than the other. So like maybe a bit more of a vertical feeder for, so the, the fat cat can't. Yeah, the, greedy, <laughs> the greedy guy can't jump up. Yeah, yeah. The greedy cat is usually heavier. So he can't jump, he can't jump as high as the agile cat. So that's another one feeding them at different things. And then like the simple ones where the 21st century is kind of coming is you can get these like radio frequency collars, which respond to their microchip or respond to like certain magnets around their collars or um, things that they have. And basically it signals for when it's time for the cat to eat. And that only that cat can have access to that bowl or that feeder. And then that feeder dispenses the food and then it kind of helps a little bit. But then sometimes that could also lead into resource guiding as well. But mm. it's another way of kind of like separating the portions because we get this question a lot just because of cats that have different diseases and feeding yeah. cats with different diseases. It's really tough because say you have a cat that's obese and you're getting them on weight feeding food you don't want the, the normal size cat to have to have the weight feeding food as well or yeah. the cats that have like urinary food or you yeah. know upset tummy food you don't want them all to always mix so sometimes it can be quite difficult so those are the kind of things i recommend separate feeding area dynamic feeding yeah. like so challenging the each other um and then the radio collars i think yeah. is a really good one there's some uh, you sometimes see those ones where it can um it like slows the feeding down yeah would that be maybe something they could look at yeah so again i'd probably do that on the cat that's the the one that's very yeah, motivated yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my polite way of saying greedy um and so and with feeding enrichment you need to build up slowly so everyone goes in straight for the puzzle ball and don't get me wrong i love a puzzle ball but it's more medium level so you need to start off easy with a cardboard egg box most people have got one lying about and then you put the um the dry food in where the eggs would normally sit 
If you've got a cat that really uh, isn't particularly bright, you do need to put the biscuits on the flat <laughs> lid. <laughs> I've had a few like chunky faced males that are just like, I can't do this. And um, so you have to start off really basic and then you have to work up for the cat's individual pace. Because what you don't want with a greedy cat is getting frustrated mm. and then they'll just get bored and go straight over to the other cat. You want to keep them mentally stimulated, slow them down. And then hopefully that will help. Along with them, you were saying about the feeders. Um, the microchip cat feeders are, are really good. Mm. They're a bit pricey, but it's um, it's really good. You do have to train them how to use it as well. I have done it with my own cat because we trialled it. <laughs> but um, are you, you're yeah. not showing them. Are you like crawling? You're not eating. You're not <laughs> eating. <laughs> He's like, I have to go there. And eat. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought you were just like going, Are you watching? This is what you need to do. No, Look at me. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, years, I would have done that. You do have to train them with the feet enrichment as well. But what I what I say is, I, I, I pour it out with my fingers, the biscuits, and then I give it to the cat to eat. And also, the other my other trick tip is, um, I only do it for a couple of minutes because when I first gave this advice out, I failed to say that. And this person was like, oh, Nikki, I've done what you said. And I've got down on my hands and he's actually with a puzzle ball yeah. for two hours now. And the cat just follows me and eats the biscuits and doesn't understand. And I was like, oh, no, they do understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting you doing the hard work. Exactly. So now I'm like, two minutes, show the cat to do, let them have a couple of biscuits, let's stand back, let them have a go. Um, you know, with the microchip feeders, it does come with instructions on how to train a cat to get used mm. to it because it's got like this archway over the top and that's the scanner that reads the cat's microchip in the neck and so then it will let that particular cat in because then the, it's got a cover on the bowl and that opens yeah. up yeah i've yeah. seen them so um yeah that's like a, just another option yeah, yeah. Um, just be just be warned as well that cats are really quick at picking up enforcement <laughs> so like they, they really understand reinforcement and conditioning so when they hear a beeping sound or something like that that becomes a cue for it's like pavlov's dog with yeah, the, yeah, with yeah. the yeah. On it. Yeah. so they will especially if you have a particularly food motivated cat and you're trying to do the whole you know section of them off he might start getting accustomed to the sound of the other cats, like, you know, microchip going off. So, like, just be aware of it, where they are and all that sort of yeah, thing. But yeah, definitely. And like you were saying earlier, a little and often feeding, and that might sort of help that cat that's feeling a bit greedy just to keep their blood sugars more stable throughout the day and mm. less likely to try and mug off the other cats. There's, yeah. there's a, a kind of a, a similar kind of question that's coming from Claire on Instagram, who says, uh, hi, guys, our cat was astray for one and a half years. He's so loving, but he gets so aggressive over food. Can we calm him down? So I suppose... Like, Volley, what you were saying that there are certain, you know, cats that are greedier. Is there anything that you can do to kind of stop that behaviour almost, not just in terms of changing the way they eat? Is it is it something that's sort of ingrained into them? Is it more of a, you know, if they've been astray, I suppose, they probably have to be more fighting for the food a little bit more on the streets? I resource garden again, like, yeah. it's that resource garden again. And Trigger, you said behaviour, so, like, I do kind of want to let Nikki... Let, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> go, 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 Nikki, you take it, and then I'll, and then I'll okay. pick up anything if I can. So... Um, it is a really common behaviour we see with stray cats. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for cats coming into cat protection care is having strays. So we see this behaviour frequently. And I think it's just that experience of having not knowing where the next food is coming from and getting quite stressed by it. So, it, you know, as Bolo said before, food's really important for survival. It becomes even more important when you've been a stray and you haven't had the buffet. Yeah. So it's... Um, it's quite, it does take them time. So it's, I think it's worth knowing it takes time, but the cat will generally get there. What I would say is you want to almost devalue food in a way. So um, again, back to what you were saying about having the feeding stations, I would have multiple different feeding stations across the home. So they've got it in several places, not just mm -hmm. one place. And also it stops them going to the, the new owner for food and making them a focus of it. If they can go to different places and bringing in a little bit of enrichment to give mental stimulation, that yeah. can help. And I will come over to you for this, but... Uh, to see what you think, um, changing the diet as well to oh, some, yeah. To, I was, I was going to say, but I'm very to no, happy yeah. to see what you think. Okay. To something like a satiety type diet, yeah. where it sort of keeps them fuller for longer, but it's not quite as high value necessarily, like not super high palatable. Yeah. Because it, again, it's reducing that value. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Hundred percent. I would definitely agree with that. Now, diet changing is always difficult with cats because yeah. cats are notoriously stubborn when it comes to like food and things like that. I think you sometimes have a bit of a better chance when it's a stray cat because they're often not fussed where their meal is or what their food is. And also that's another good time to introduce the puzzle feeders as well because stray cats tend to be a lot more resourceful in figuring out how to get the meal. Yeah. So they're a lot more like, you know, onto it. So even if you introduce a puzzle feeder to them, then that slows them down and maybe they can become less aggressive when there's more food around as well. But then, yeah, like you said, changing changes in diet affect a lot more. So when it's not that... it's. Because to understand the psychology of why they need to shove down their food is because it's like this highly calorific food. I'm going to shove it down quickly, get full really quickly so that I can live for a long time without food, right? It's like us 
eating a bunch of Jaffa cakes on the sofa because it's like, for the calories, I won't need to eat dinner, I won't need to, <laughs> whatever. So it's, easy, it's easier to eat. Sounds Whereas, like a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, but when you give them something like uh, the satiety foods, the satiety foods are made in a way so that it's a little bit richer, but not necessarily... It's not necessarily like the most addictive kind of food, yeah. but it satisfies them on a small amount. So once they eat it, they're like, oh, okay, I'm full, I'm done, I, I tap out. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, I try to explain to people like, expando food, it's like, you know, you eat it and it just fills yeah. up the stomach and it's like, yeah. oh, it's like magic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're super full and then they probably won't worry about food being elsewhere. But the multi-stations is also a really, really good point. The fact that you have multiple food stations and that way, because it's abundant, yeah. they're not necessarily like, fighting for yeah. it and also when i say multiple food stations i try and say like you know measure their 24-hour yes, allowance <laughs> and then put it across the yeah. stations don't necessarily have like <laughs> unlimited like bowls there's seven all you can eat buffets yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, get the all you can eat buffet and spread it out yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those restaurants <laughs> where there's like unlimited buffets everywhere yeah. <laughs> and it needs to be sort of upstairs and downstairs ideally and then the what, the key thing that most cat owners don't know and I didn't know until I joined Cats Protection is having food bowls away from their water oh bowls oh my gosh yeah. oh don't it's let like me go into this I say this so much I know isn't it like the key <laughs> thing that every cat owner needs to know right? oh my gosh can I just please please get it off your chest I treat this so much because uh, people I'm always like the number thing because when I when somebody comes to the vet practice I ask them is it eating okay drinking okay urinating fine passing feces fine any vomiting or diarrhea that's like my standard right and then drinking I'm always like is he drinking okay and then it was like mm, I'm not sure and I was like haha <laughs> I got you <laughs> because most people don't they say that they've never seen their cats drink I'm like where do you keep your water and they're like next to the food bowl and I'm like well actually <laughs> <laughs> like it's very common for cats not to drink water especially when it's next to their food bowl some said that it comes from like an ancestral thing of like you know when they kill a prey and it's next to the if it's next to the water the water might be contaminated or that sort of thing yeah. so it's better to have a distance and that's why cats like running water as well because mm -hmm. it's not stagnant yeah. so there was more chance of survival if you're drinking running water so if you're drinking water from a stream or a tap or a fountain which is why we talk about fountains and taps and drip Drip, drop, bottle droppers. Moving water. Yeah, moving water. Yeah, exactly. So having that water around. And then also multiple different places of where they can drink water. Because most of the time, people who say that they, they don't see their cats drink from the water bowl, it could be because the cat's drinking from the tap, could be drinking from the toilet, could be drinking from the vase, could be drinking from a glass that you leave on the side. They're doing that. But if you set up multiple stations for them, even if you just deliberately leave your glass full of water out, they will probably drink from there rather than the one next to their water bowl. So, yeah. and you have yeah, oh, yeah, oh my, yeah, my cat, she, anything, she likes like the novelty of it, I think as well. You know, if there's a new it. cup out. This on, is it. it. Yeah, and she drinks out of cups as well. That's just something we've established on this podcast. They're so intelligent yeah. and, they, and they really enjoy that. And it's also, you have to also remember as well, and we'll come on to this again later on. I know we'll probably, <laughs> but like everything with cats is so tactile. Yeah. Right. Everything is about a lot of touch. There's a lot of the world that they're experiencing that we're not experiencing, right? And you think about those massive whiskers on their face. Mm -hmm has a lot of sensory information for them and it provides a lot of information for them. So when you have a certain type of bowl next to their food, or even if, even if you're feeding them from a certain type of bowl, that can cause stress itself just because of like the feelings that they're getting from the, the sensory feedback that they're getting from their whiskers touching inside the bowls can sometimes be opposite from what you're intending. So it's not pleasurable. It's actually quite disincentivizing. Uh, I don't know if yeah. that's a word, but yeah, yeah de-incentivizing. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, like, you know, it turns them off. And so sometimes, Having different bowls, a dish for them to drink water out, a vase to drink for drink water out, you know, it helps. Yeah. And then they can figure out what they like the most. So, yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it on a previous episode that, you know, I had a, a bowl that was, you know, I went and bought a bowl that was, you know, really exp like, yeah. expensive. <laughs> and I was like, I want her to have the best bowl that she's going to drink out of. Not interested. And she drinks out of a smooth radio cup now. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? and that's the way she loves it. And that's the one that, like, that's her favourite cup. Like, yeah. And I've tried other cups as well. And she's got a couple of, like, and they're just a mug, just a standard mug. And yeah. I always thought to myself, well, her whisker's not touching the side so of it. They don't, but so the she's whiskers, fine with it. The whisker's actually touching. Yeah. They don't actually mind that bit, yeah. right? It's, it's just, it, it's like us, right? So I have a thing against polystyrene. I hate the feel of polystyrene. Yeah. Some people hate the feel of balloons. Some people hate the feel of cotton yeah. or like, you know, the uh, Q-tip cotton buds kind of thing. Yeah. Some people hate that feel of yeah. it. It's just, it's a personal feeling. Mm -hmm. And for cats, they have to have that personal feeling, that experience for them to figure out where it is. Yeah. Some cats are fine with stainless steel bowls. 
I don't always recommend them. Sometimes some some cats love it. Some cats will take a ceramic bowl just fine, and plastic bowls are probably the worst because you get all these chin acne and things like that. Bacteria yeah. are difficult to clean. But like it you know, taints the water as well, yeah. makes it taste different. Exactly. So it's all those things. And oh, that is. Have you seen the cat that uh, tastes water? That uh, tries water. Have you not? On, it's all over social media. There's a cat that's like a water connoisseur. So <laughs> is that every cat? <laughs> no, well, this, this cat is like he's he's on it. He only drinks like uh, Evian, like you know, okay, like yeah. he, like the owner will put in like different types of uh, water, like smart water and the pH okay. of six yeah. and seven, and yeah. the, and he only ever goes for the one that because it's again, it's that it's that tactile. You know, they're really down to a fine tea of like, I can smell it. I can smell the alkalinity of the, or the yeah, acidity yeah, of yeah. this water and, you know, they'll go for it. And sometimes it's that, the taste of the water and mm. the bowl that you put it in has that effect. Yeah. So. And because they are so particular, aren't these animals? Mm. That's the thing. So I suppose it's, it does make sense to actually yeah. give them the opportunity for them to kind of tell you what they prefer and exactly. then just kind of you know take it from there but their senses are all geared up to being particular that's yeah. the thing they don't just being awkward no, no, it's just they're designed not, like that yeah, yeah like literally they're designed that yeah. way like i've got a terrible sense of smell and cats are amazing and they yeah. can detect all sorts so it really is trying to understand them as an animal and and how their bodies and everything function mm. the other thing i want to say particularly for stray cats but it applies to every cat and i want everyone listening to go home and try this is move the food bowl and water bowls away from the wall now, don't get me wrong, some cats, because you're saying it's an individual preference, but most cats will prefer to have the wall behind them, then the cat, and then the bowl immediately in front of them. And that way they can view their surroundings and feel safe that nothing can come up behind them, which for a stray cat who's been having to like, you know, live off their wits, probably make them feel a lot more safe and secure whilst eating and drinking, because mm. it's quite vulnerable having your head down to eat and drink. Yeah, and you can't see what's... Coming up, yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, that is, oh, I could go. <laughs> I like, could, literally, like, eating, like, drinking the episode. I could, yeah, I could just keep going on for days. Like, you guys are tricking me off. But, like, it's like the, the idea of safety for cats is so important because you have to also realize that cats are predator and prey yeah. animals. Yeah. They're both, right? And part of that is being hyper vigilant. You know, they're hypersensitive to their environment. And so, there's a lot of things that we do sometimes that we don't realize we're affecting like that residual, you know, that res that inherent behavior from them. So like sometimes when we're giving them shelter, sometimes like a like the biggest example is a, a covered litter tray. Sometimes a covered litter tray doesn't always work for all cats because there's that fear of like, I can't yeah. tell what's around me. It's like being in a tent in the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got a small hole to put your yeah, head out through, like, like the danger hole. <laughs> and then you, you see glowing eyes outside. You're like, whoa, you know, it suddenly makes <laughs> going to the toilet a lot quicker, but also harder for cats. But but yeah, it's that kind of thing of like, you have to be aware that they are predator and prey. So they want to be vigilant. They want to be aware of it. It's that sort of thing of like, you know, when when pets go to the toilet and they're kind of looking at you, it's because they're in a vulnerable <laughs> situation. They're like, I hope you got my back. If something happens now, I can't do yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. That's why I like to think of cats as spies sometimes because in that hypervigilant state, you yeah. think of the sort of like the sort of James Bond where they've walked into a room, they know all the exits, they've already clocked who the dodgy people are. That's it. And that's how cats function. That's their world. They come in every day and they're just like, right, got to be aware of this, got to think about that. And you think about that. Sorry, I'm just going to keep going. Go for it. <laughs> I'm like, but you think about that and you're like, what does this mean in terms of stress? Yeah. Like, what is it like? Because you think about us as people and the amount of like stimuli you take. Like if you're somebody that's not necessarily great at walking into a busy room or like going into a massive train station and all the information is like you get the sensory overload. It's stressful. And it's the same thing with cats is that they've constantly got this bombardment of signals and information. It can be so stressful for them. Like that is that can be stressful. And this is why cats are so prone to stress and stress it's probably like the number one cause of a lot of the diseases I see in practice. So if you find ways to minimize their stress, simple as moving their food bowl away, as simple as moving the food away from the water, as multiple litter trays, multiple feeding stations, you know, regulating the other cats, then they start to live longer, happier and healthier lives. So, yeah. We've got an email from Hannah now who uh, says this. You're going to love this, Balu, because I know you're <laughs> in. You're honestly, I, well, British way, it's about teeth. Oh, so, yeah, 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 so I knew this is this is right <laughs> up your street, this mate. Uh, so basically, Hannah says uh, the vet said at, at my cat midnight's most recent six month checkup that her gums are a little red and that we should clean her teeth. So Hannah got a toothbrush and toothpaste for her, but she's not used it yet because she feels like the cat won't enjoy it and she don't want to cause her any undue stress. Mm. So any advice now to make it a nicer experience? I mean, first of all, are you happy that 
she's taking. I'm loving that yeah, she's yeah. taking taking um, dental care seriously in her cat. Like we need more advocation for feline dental care, and I'm going to keep screaming it from the rooftop. Um, how old is Midnight? Um, it doesn't actually say how old she is. Okay, well I'll just go through all the stages. No problem. No <laughs> problem. But um, okay, so. Redness inside the gums, we call it gingivitis. Same as in people, right? Uh, and it can be for a number of different reasons. It could be because of bacteria. It could be because of uh, genetic. It could be, it could be, there's so many different reasons as to why there could be that redness, soreness. I mentioned it earlier about them having resorptive lesions as well. That could cause that redness in the gums. Uh, and that's where as vets, we have to quantify what that redness means, right? Um, now, if they have redness on the gums, let's say in their first year of life, the first 18 months of life, Often it's unlikely that you have really bad teeth. It's unlikely they have like dental disease and secondary bacteria infections and things like that. It's more likely because of either genetic confirmation, so they either have too many teeth um, that are causing pain and swelling around the gums, or they have mismatch of teeth. So they might have like a mismatched bite or a crossbite or things like that. So that's causing pain and swelling in the gums. Uh, and then also there's another thing called juvenile gingivitis, okay? Juvenile gingivitis is one of those things where young cats, they get gingivitis in super inflamed gums because in a way they're almost allergic to their own plaque and their own teeth. Almost in a, in a if I really simplify it, they're not fully allergic to their teeth, but the, it's the bacterial uh, makeup of the plaque that causes allergies and makes their gums really sore. So juvenile gingivitis. Now sometimes juvenile gingivitis uh, can also be immune mediated. So their immune system starts to attack their gums and makes it really painful and sore. And that's where you get that redness. Now, if we are trying to combat that, sometimes as they grow older, the juvenile gingivitis goes away as they, as they age and they get used to their teeth. But in some cats, it, they may need what we say like full mouth extractions where we take out all their teeth because they're essentially having an allergic reaction to all their teeth. And so you need full mouth extractions. That's one side of it. Other side of it is dental care, so like brushing and staying on top of it, because if you have the good dental hygiene, then you can get rid of it. Uh, I didn't, I forgot to mention as well that sometimes their teeth can be red because they're just changing teeth. Their adult teeth are coming in, right? So when they're young, if you're seeing that redness in their gums, often, yeah, talking with the vet and things like that, you want to make sure that it's not juvenile gingivitis and it's not a point where we need surgical intervention and then brushing helps. Now, when you're brushing them when they're young and they're less than, this is really young now, if we say like six months, that's the best time to like get them accustomed to it, habituated to it, even earlier than that. But if they're six months, you still got a bit of a chance to kind of like, you know, get in there. And I usually say, use your finger first. Well, in fact, before that, just get used to just opening their mouth, prying their mouth open and then let them run away yeah. or reinforce that behavior, right? So a lot of things are positive reinforcement, positive conditioning. So maybe touch their mouth and then give them a treat afterwards and be on your way. Or before they get their meal, let me have a look in your mouth and we'll fiddle about and then let them have their meal. Just lifting up a lip, just getting them used to you just handling their mouth, right? That's the best way to, to start off is just kind of like, fill about with their mouth and then give them a treat. Do this for about two to four weeks, yeah? Because it's just a long time for them just to get used to their, their mouth. And then after a while, it can be introduce your finger into their, into, their, into their gums, yeah, into the side of their gums, right? So it's like kind of shoving your finger down the side of their mouth whilst they're comfortable with you kind of playing about their mouth. Sometimes I even say, whilst they're half asleep, you know, when they're in that twilight zone, <laughs> kind of waking up, maybe just like gently wake them up by, you know, caressing around their mouth areas. There. And then if they get a bit too like, oh, okay, no. <laughs> then let them, let them be, but just get them used to that. And then after that, get used to having the toothpaste. Now it's very important that when we say there's toothpaste for cats, there's toothpaste for cats. Don't use human toothpaste. Nope. Or dog Tog toothpaste. Yeah, exactly. Because no. there's fluoride, uh, zinc, titania, all these different things that shouldn't necessarily be in certain certain um, toothpaste, especially for cats, that can be poisonous for them. So Don't, whip, don't whip up the Aquafresh. No, yeah, no, no, no. exactly. None of that. Um, there's veterinary equivalents for them. So you can get the veterinary cat toothpaste. Um, and there's a place that you can go to get them. It's the Veterinary Oral Health Council. If you search the Veterinary Oral Health Council online, it has a table of all the toothpaste and like teeth stuff that you can use all for the cats. safe ones yeah, yeah exactly finger in the mouth with the toothpaste and they get used to or just even show them the toothpaste let them lick the toothpaste off your finger and then let them be on their way yeah. then getting used to that and then you can even get the thing so you can get different types of toothbrushes you can get the finger toothbrushes which you put on top of your finger and you can brush your teeth with you can get these like multiple headed toothbrushes so they have like two or three heads on them and you can brush your teeth with that and get them introduce them to that you have single head toothbrushes specifically for cats or you can just get a baby toothbrush soft bristle baby toothbrush and just get them used to that. And sometimes you can brush around their mouth, brush around their face, 
let them chew off the um, paste from there. Sometimes you can replace the toothpaste with like pate or fish paste or whatever. So they can get used to just crunching it because cats will happily crunch and stuff. Yeah. So they'll just like kind of crunching it a little bit. And that's in a way getting them used to brushing. And whilst they're crunching, just kind of give it a little shimmy inside them. Yeah. <laughs> just so they get used to that movement and that, exactly. yeah, that, that sort of, um, you know, that connection, I suppose, in terms of having something in the mouth that, that you're in control of. Exactly. And that breakdown over a long period of time gets them kind of used to it, but you have to kind of do it over a long period of time. And that's for the juveniles and for like six months up until about 18 months, you can kind of get away with that. Mm. And as they start getting older, I think once you get past adolescence, you start entering into that, like, you know, adult phase of life. And especially when they're geriatrics, it's really important just to double check that they have full dentistry with the vets. So maybe book them in for anesthetic. Even if the vet doesn't recommend it, just say that you want to book them in for a scale and polish just to make sure you can check all the teeth because it's important we do dental x-rays to see what's below the surface and see make sure there's nothing else going on. And a lot of people don't want to do that because of the expense. But if we do it, then we can see that, oh, actually this tooth needs to come out. So, because there's no point brushing a tooth if it's like rotten below the surface, you know, right? Because it's just going to cause pain. And that's probably why they don't want you to brush their teeth is because they're in pain. Yeah, so yeah. it's worth getting that checked. So after that, once they get into adolescence, after 18 months, make sure you're getting their teeth checked. And then after that, if they're really, really, really still not wanting to brush their teeth, there is dental food that you can put them on. Dental food, the way it works is that it has a specific balance in it so that the pH of it isn't conducive for bacteria growing on their teeth. Mm. So the plaque doesn't build up on their teeth. That is basically like, so, you know, so it basically this magical food that means that plaque doesn't build up on their teeth and doesn't cause the issues. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit easier to, it's easier for them to bite and chew and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And it's made in a way so it kind of scratches their tooth, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> I, think sort of, I think I've given my cat Ruby <coughs> some treats that are meant to have some sort of, they're meant to actually clean her teeth, but I don't know. Again, this is where you check the VOHC. So if you check the right. VOHC. So what's that? <laughs> so that's the, that's the bit I was mentioning earlier. That's the Veterinary Oral Health Council. So oh, Veterinary okay, Oral yeah. Health Council. I, I'm not cool enough to know the extent <laughs> yet, but I <laughs> no know worries. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries. So the Veterinary, Veterinary Oral Health Council, VOHC, just literally type in VOHC for cats into Google. And usually it's like the first link and they have a table of all the treats that are actually suitable right. for fighting dental disease yeah. in cats. They also do it in dogs as well, but it's like, you know, everything that you need. So, because some companies will tell you that this does the dental, you know, this does the dental work and all whatnot. And you're like, mm, it doesn't really. The VOHC, all the stuff that's generally approved to like reduce plaque, actually clean their teeth, yeah. actually do those things. So, yeah. Because the these thing. ones that my cat, she loves them and they're thinking, that's like me, just like, Loving Listerine or something. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I'm like, surely she's not absolutely buzzing off these. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, you know, if uh, anyone has got issues uh, with their cat and, you know, sort of the concern about the dental hygiene and the health, then that's obviously a great website to check out. Yes, definitely check out VOHC. VOHC. Yeah. So, we've got another voice note now. We've got a couple more questions uh, just to uh, finish off. Uh, and we've got one from Lindsay. So, let's uh, hear what Lindsay's got to say. Hi, Adam and Nikki. We are loving the podcast. We giggle and can relate to it a lot. So we have a query we hope Nikki can explain for us. We have a litter tray avoider. So when he was younger, our cat Byron used to use his litter tray. Now he's eight years old and he doesn't use it anymore and prefers to go outside. So now we just store it away. However, it is becoming a nightmare if we need to keep him in. For example, a trip to the vets or recovery. So do we need to reintroduce him to it? Thanks in advance, Lindsay, Stuart and our cat Byron. Oh, I think, I mean, I can certainly identify with this and I think loads of our listeners can as well. So um, I think one of the things I, um, you're picking up on is, um, you know, he used to have this, but now he doesn't have any more. And like, can you reintroduce it? So yes, you can. And particularly as the cat gets older, which I'm sure Bolo will agree with, is it's always good to have a list tray available, even if they don't use it. Um, and it's particularly important in winter because... You know, cats, a lot of them fair weather. They don't want to go outside and toilet when it's cold, when the, the ground's frozen over and they've got to dig. It's difficult. So by having um, a list tray available, it really helps just, you know, help with changing seasons. Also, because you never know when they might get sprung upon during toileting by, say, a neighbourhood cat. Um, and so having that option available is really useful. Now, I would say you need to check your litter tray checklist. It is available on the Cats Protection website, um, <laughs> written by yours truly. <laughs> Um, Did you write it? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know, anything behaved, I wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a flex. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's a flex. <laughs> Behaviour, I did that. I did that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a few, a few key things on there. One, have a big enough tray. It's no good having an adult um, cat with a teeny tiny little kitten tray and it's, they can't fit. Um, it needs to be sort of one and a half times the cat size. 
um, which for your larger cat breed cats, for example, you may not be looking at a litter tray. You might want to look at like a, a, a large storage box, for example, and you cut down one of the sides so they can get in and out easily. Um, as cats get more mature, you need to be thinking about an older cat litter tray. We do have one available on the Cats Protection website. Um, and that has got that um, front side cut right down so they can get in and out. Because you know, we've talked about cats and arthritis and pain being really subtle. Some of the signs are that they just don't want to get over that sort of few inches to get into a tray, even if they're still jumping on the windowsill. So very subtle. So that you need the right tray. You need it in with the right litter and the right amount. I know so many people that have tried no litter with their cats. Um, but it needs to be... The average cat likes three centimetres of soft, sand-sized... Uh, litter very fine um because that's what they have that the wild species of cats have out, out in the wild yeah. and i'm um, certainly when i've been abroad <laughs> crazy cat person abroad and i've been like oh my god it's literally like a litter tray everywhere yeah. <laughs> and it's and it is because that's how they've evolved to have yeah. this sort of fine sand style litter um so that's what they like and they want to get in there have a really good dig um so they don't like it's too shallow and then location 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 mm. it can't be near the food bowl water bowl um, everyone puts them next to cat flaps because they say the cat wants to loo with a view. They don't. They, <laughs> just like us, we don't. You know. I mean. <laughs> I mean, not unless you have like some posh pad yeah, somewhere where no Burj one can Khalifa. see you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but they, you know, there's a lot of similarity between people and cats and their toileting habits, and they want that privacy. But for those that do get privacy, a lot of people miss accessibility. So mm. I've known people put cat, uh, litter trays inside. Well, inside wardrobes, for example, where the, and then shut the door and then the cat can't access it. Yeah. And the same for like certain putting in a room, but then shutting the door and they can't get in. So they need to have somewhere private, quiet and definitely not overlooked potentially by other cats and so not away, you know, away from cat flaps, away from glass pate doors, definitely not in conservatories. Mm. Um, and also away from high traffic areas, both in terms of cats and people. So not on the stairs and not in sort of, you know, hallways and mm. landings and things. So... You know, there's an art to, to literary placement. There are lots of options, and it's about working out what's best for the individual owner because some people will happily have it in a bathroom. Others wouldn't consider it. So it's got to work for the person as well, yeah. but particularly it's got to be the sort of the cat rules of where they would want the litter tray. Um, and then, yeah, I would definitely try and reintroduce it and see if you can find a litter that works for them, find a few locations. And a bit like with the water bowls, you know, give them a few different locations and then let the cat literally vote with their paws and say which one's they're happy with and sometimes it's not what you think yeah. i've definitely had <laughs> the embarrassment before where you do all the sensible cat places and then they they pick something completely random that makes that's like they no, didn't read the no sense yeah, no they didn't yeah, read yeah. the cat manual yeah. and you're just like oh that's a bit embarrassing <laughs> but um but hey if that works for the individual that's yeah. great but like i say work your way through and um and then yeah it will hopefully help make those vet visits a bit easier we've got a uh, another question from tori which kind of links in a little bit um and tori it needs some help she's in desperate need of our help in fact uh, she says uh, we've got a wonderful maine coon cat uh, that's a bundle, bundle of energy uh, he's 10 months old lives mostly indoors sometimes we need to travel for work without him so they get a cat sitter in but whenever they leave it tends to wee on the bed so she's wondering is it separation anxiety or is it like a protest that he's not going with him um, and she said they've tried it. They've tried it all. Fell away, feeding him in the bed to disassociate from going to the loo, changing all the bedding, closing off the room, positive, negative reinforcement, new, bigger litter trays, change the litter more often, shower curtain on the bed. This is the desperation oh, that's, that's happened. And it's so, hard. I yeah. fully get it because it's it's a really really common problem first and foremost. Also, going on the beds is way more common than most people realise. Now, just to just to <laughs> explain it from the cat's perspective. Our beds are higher up, so they feel safe. It comes back to safety, like Bolo was saying. Um, they're nice and soft underneath the paws. They're always clean. Mm. And, if, and particularly if they've toileted on the bed, that bedding is ripped straight off to go in the wash, so it's, it's refreshed and been clean. And, and, and the other thing is people think it's this protest that they say, that it smells of the owner and it's actually reassuring to the cat. So it actually, if it, it's actually... It's like it, a giant litter tray, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. But with that sort of reassuring scent of the owners, if you are bonded with your cat, mm. that the bedding smells of them. So, yeah, first and foremost, it's not a protest. Cats don't actually do protest weasel poos. It's a really common misconception. 
Um, so I'm going to say first and foremost, vet check and hand over to Bolo for vet check. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and vet then come back sure. to me for behaviourists. <laughs> vet check, yeah, vet check for sure. And another big thing with the vet check is um, when somebody tells me that their cat is urinating places they shouldn't do, I say, how many litter trays have you got? Because the big thing for me on the number of litter trays, like people get so many cats in their house and not realise, I say at least, at least two per cat. Yeah. Big, me, even if they are an indoor and outdoor cat, just because the fact that cats like to urinate in different places and like Nikki was saying, you've got to have, you know, the, the different types of litter. The cats are sensitive, it's a tactile experience. They have to dig around in where they're about to go to the toilet. You have to touch a toilet seat. Like, imagine you haven't touched a toilet seat. You want it to be something that you like, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, clean. So it's going in there and, and, and changing it and making sure it's clean, regular, make sure you have separate ones in separate places. Also be careful of um, like highly pungent areas. So like yeah. they don't really necessarily always like the bathroom. People's first idea is to put the latrine sometimes in the bathroom, but because of all the perfume and deodorant and smells and it's too much for them. So that's another big thing for them as well. Um, and then, yeah. Get a urine sample tested. 100%, because once we, once we start doing that, then we know whether, because again, when we were talking about stress before, one of the biggest things with cats is that when they get stressed, they have a lot of nerve endings on the end of their bladder. Mm. So when they get stressed, all of that anxiety in the nervous yeah, system right. just reacts on their bladder and then they get this very inflamed bladder and that's where we get the lower urinary tract disease, which is the most common thing that I see in practice. Yeah. And that's what we call stress cystitis. And that's literally because they're so stressed, I can't wee. Yeah. And it blocks them and sometimes it could be fatal. fatal. Yeah. So. But all those things that you mentioned earlier, if you can eliminate those kind of, you know, triggers that will give stress and anxiety to the cat if you can eliminate those i suppose that becomes less of an issue exactly yeah exactly that so it's all husbandry so just staying yeah. on top of that and you're, you're good to Definitely. go so yeah rule out medical reasons and then go seek help from a qualified behaviorist such yeah. as uh, someone from the animal behavior and training council yeah, yeah. um yeah. we've got about, we've got two more just to round things off we've got another voice note now and this one um is a really important topic to discuss actually i think in in terms of uh, cats this one comes from robert so let's see what robert's got to say hello my name is robert my beloved cat Basil recently passed away. I feel terrible about it and while everyone keeps saying it was just a cat, I'm still struggling. Do you have any suggestions for me? Well, yeah, yeah well, I, I lost a cat um, last year. It's in, yeah, I'd, I'd never, well, it's the only pet I've ever, ever lost and I, it was, I can really identify with what Robert's saying there. The grief was just like something I'd never experienced before. And, yeah. and, it's, and I felt, I was chatting to you about it when I Nikki and I, I thought I felt this real, real kind of strange guilt because I'd lost family members and I'd not mm. had the same level of grief and, I've, yeah. and I struggled with that for a long time. I thought I feel bad that I don't do I care more. It's not about caring more about something than not. I don't know if it's something with the bond that I had with the cat or mm. I think it's because when you lose like a member of your family or a friend or whatever, sometimes you expect it. And it's that kind of, you know, like a, lose a grandparent who might be old or has been yeah. ill for a long time, but the, losing the cat was just sudden. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I'm not prepared for this at all. Like, yeah. oh my God, like, how do I deal with it? Mm. So I kind of see, and, and people, I think when I was speaking to people who weren't cat owners or didn't understand, I could, they were saying like, why are you crying over a cat? It's uh, just a cat. No. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's not though. It's really not. You just don't understand. Yeah. So I think it's, it, it's difficult um, for me. It was been able to look at videos and pictures i couldn't do that yeah. for a couple of weeks at first but yeah. now i think for me that, that mindset switched from being sad about looking at the pictures to actually being happy and realizing how much of an amazing life she had and, yeah. and things like that so yeah. that's how i dealt with it I, a few initially a few weeks but actually now rather than shunning the things that i thought were going to make me sad i've actually got to the stage where i can reflect back and yeah. watch videos of me stroking her and her sat on my knee and that yeah. kind of thing so i don't know what, what you guys kind of um in the vet world like grief is like a, a huge thing that we have to play like play with but deal with like you know it's something that we're dealing with consistently and as as he was talking as, as Robert was talking i could I, I feel it because i get a wave of everything i i remember close to almost all like end of life um, positions that I've been in. And when we go to euthanasia and we're talking about helping cats get to the other side, it is like, you know, it is really emotional time. And often that stuff impacts me a lot because I take a lot of it home. I still remember every family. I remember all the emotional cases. I remember what the cases were. I remember if there's things that we could have done more for them or is it too soon or is it too late or all those sorts of things. And all the conversations that we had and the questions that people ask me sometimes because I almost get like put in the hot, hot seat. It's of, like, massive pressure though, isn't yeah. it? Because it, those, those animals mean so much to the owners. Exactly. Right? And, and, and weirdly enough, they mean so much to me as yeah, well when yeah, they come yeah. in. Like, because yeah. that's part of why I do the job, right? I'm trying to try my hardest to look after as many animals 
possible. Um, and the thing that helps me a lot with with grief and grieving and 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 processing it is, you kind of just have to like there's there's no one nobody can tell you how to grieve first and foremost nobody can really tell you but you kind of have to sit with that emotion just for a little bit like it it, it sounds cliche to say but time heals a lot of things and. I know because when I lost my dog, it was the hardest thing as well. And I, I, was, I, was yeah. that, I was that well enough as well. And I put it to sleep myself. And it was that kind of thing of, I was balling for that first, you know, two days and knowing that I was going back to work and she was in the practice as well after I'd really done it as well. And knowing that she was still there ready to be collected was, was doing me as well. But it's that kind of thing of, you kind of almost have to sit with the emotion a little bit. You have to work your way through it. You have to address it. Because when you when you kind of lock it away, that's when it keeps bubbling up, you know? And it is important to remember that, I always I say this to every single every single person. I hope it, it reaches the people that it needs to reach. But when they come to me and they ask me about whether or not it's the right time, I will always say that the difference between their lives and our lives, right, is that for us, we have a very long life, but cats have a, a we're like, we're all their lives, right? Mm. They're just a blip in our lives. Like they're the 14, 15 years of our lives, but we're all they know. Mm. And provided that you gave them as much love and affection as possible, all they knew was love, right? For 15, 16, 17, 18 years, 20 years if they're, <laughs> they're a really good cat as well, all they knew was your love and a really good environment. And then you care and affection, you hugged them, you cuddled them, you gave them all these great memories. That's all they knew. And they went through those 18, 20 years with just that. Mm. And for them to be able to pass with just that, it's really beautiful. That's all that, like, you know, that they had a life of love. We do all these other things and maybe later on down the line, maybe you might be able to like think about possibly getting another pet or something like that. But you know, you gave them as much love as possible. And that's what's important to remember. All the good memories that you gave them, everything good that you gave them, everything like, you know, you really looked after them yeah. for that period of time. Yeah. And that's what's the important part. And death happens. It is one of those things that it's a transitory period and it has to happen at some point. But, you know, time does heal. Eventually it does settle down. The emotions do bubble up every now and then and that's mm. fine. There's no there's no need to hide from it. Like it happens. It, it shows it just shows how much you cared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and also, I think something we often say in vet practice, which I feel a lot of people may struggle with like, as a concept but um is that euthanasia is actually a gift mm. and it is actually a final kindness that we can do to animals and i know as an owner it doesn't feel like that in the moment when you're really emotional but that's why it's really good to speak to your vet practice staff but it is a, a blessing that we have that option and we can take away their suffering yeah. at the right time so it's um it's a really brave decision to make mm. um and it, like, like I say, I can appreciate it feels so hard and we've, we've all been there ourselves, mm. but it's good that at least we have that. Um, so just to address a few things for Robert, first and foremost, it sounds like he's not getting enough support. So um, I think first and foremost, I mean, everybody listening, plus me and Adam, every service we've had on this podcast, we are all fully paid up cat lovers. We get it. Yep. We completely understand like how hard and heartbreaking it feels. And they're not just a cat. You know, we'll all have different relationships with our cats, but they're all going to be strong relationships. And what it means to the individual, you can't take that away. So what I would say to him is you need to find somebody that gets it and understands. Now, at Cats Protection, we do have our Pause to Listen service. Now, this is a free service run by our volunteers, um, by people who, again, you know, follow cat lovers who've been there, they get it. You know, they're specially trained. And they'll just provide that kind listening ear you know, to help get people through the, the dark times of grief. Mm. Um, so do check out our website, cats.org.uk. We've got loads of other support and advice about how to help with grief. Um, but also just finding like a fellow cat lover, you know, in your community, whether it's, you know, friends or family or somebody, because particularly for the grief I've been through, um, I find that if you can just speak to someone else who gets it, who's been mm. there and mm. gets it, you just can't put a price on that at all. Yeah. And it really helps to have the, the, the shared experience, the, you know, the knowledge that your emotions are you know, perfectly normal and standard and, mm. and that's okay. Like you're saying, to sit with those emotions, work through it and talking is so important. It really oh. is. You can't underestimate. Just keep talking about it. Um, and as you sort of work through grief, and I won't say get over because you never do get over grief. Mm. It becomes part of you. Mm. And you were you sort of grow around it, you know, as it were. But it's not going to be as raw as the early days. So time does help in that respect. But if you can keep talking about it and then eventually get to a point where you can look at photos or you can 
think of a way to um, have a sort of memorial for your pet or some way of, you know, acknowledging them and mm. remembering them, that can provide comfort for some people as well. And it's going to be different for every person. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's why people have funerals, you know, and yeah. it's not for the person that's really died. Mm. Ultimately, it's actually for everybody left behind. And it's, it's a part of a, a process to help us um, acknowledge what's happened and help to... Mm make sense of it in some way. And obviously, like, how the pet, the cat dies will really affect how uh, the person feels as well as to whether it was, you know, a cat had a long life or not, whether it was traumatic or not. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, like I say, if you can just find the people that get it and keep talking, keep having that support. And other little things like self-care. It sounds like a really mm. basic thing to say, but it's one of those things that when you're grieving, it can easily go out the window. Mm. So just little ways of looking after yourself, getting out onto nature, is a real healer, you know, having some walks and getting some fresh air um, and just little things to make you feel happy. Yeah, even just as simple as taking a shower. Like, yeah, that, that, literally, that's, that's what I meant about self-care, yeah, like, was shower. Yeah, yeah. Was just shower, like, you know, because sometimes you brush your teeth. bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally, just like, I brush my teeth today and I'm going back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, but then that's you it. it. Yeah, you did yeah. it. Like, Tick, right. achieved. And like yeah. you say, just little things to look after yourself because it's so easy when, it, when you're in the depths of despair. Mm. It's tough. And, yeah. but, and, and, and I think as well, the key thing is that it... it it will it will get easier. It like, does. It, it yeah, doesn't. It like does. you said, like Bolu, you said there that, that it's just time sometimes. Time, but yeah. in that initial kind of first few weeks, it seems <sighs> it like rough. yeah, it seems like I'm gonna feel like this forever. Yeah, yeah. that's what I felt like. Yeah. I was like, I feel like there's a, a your heart's a been ripped. Yeah. Out. yeah, and I was like, is this it now? Like, yeah. is this my like my life's gonna be like this? And then it does. Time, you know, time goes on, and I think, like I said, for me, it switches from that kind of feeling of you know sadness and like you say you never fully no. you, it never goes away but now i can think back to happier times yeah and i think like oh you know actually it's so amazing and yeah. like oh you know I, I like you know i'll still see things now and think oh should i love that or yeah. like you know i remember that time then she did this or yeah, how exactly. daft she was or, and, and and that becomes a lot easier so robert's probably not in that stage yet but no. it will come it yeah. will come it will and come, i think yeah. it's good to know that that you know happier times are ahead mm. one other misconception i want to just address quickly is People that don't get it will always see things like, oh, when you're getting a replacement. Yeah. And there is nothing worse than hearing that because yeah. Basil will have been the most special cat ever. And there is no replacing Basil. Mm. You know, he's a one of a kind cat. But that's not to say that you can't, for, you know, welcome other cats into your life at the right time. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And there'll be a different, unique personality, different mm. again to Basil. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can't replace them. They're yeah, all yeah. irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, Bollock, we will let you go in a second. But what, what <laughs> one, we want Keep one. Me on. yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do double time. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we want to chat all day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And this is not, it's like we get a chance to speak about cats and it's like, right, okay, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one thing we do we tend to ask people uh, on this podcast is it's quite, a, a, quite a, a big, sort of open ended question, but what's the best thing about cats? Well, what is the best thing about cats? I say it a lot. Cats are just like, my go-to is just to say that cats are elite, right? Oh, quick, okay. There's a comedian that says this joke, right? Uh, and I can't remember who the comedian is. I just remember the joke because I say it so many times. So I'm not claiming this is my own. <laughs> but, but like dogs, right? You feed them, you clothe them, you give them shelter, all these things, and you protect them. And they say, wow, you must be God. <laughs> cats. <laughs> you feed them, you clothe them, you give them shelter, you look after them. They say, wow, I must be God. Cats have this mindset of just, be, like, it's their world and we're just living in it, yes. right? And the more you look at them, the more you start to realise that yeah, they understand the world and we just, like, you know, yeah. to, they understand life, they get life, you know. When you see a cat, like you can, you can, ha you can't help to, but to be envious of a cat. Like especially <laughs> when you go to like another country and you see them like la lounging around. Especially when you see all the strays everywhere and they're lounging. Around. You're like, you guys are, you guys have got it sussed, right? no, no mortgage in you. Yeah. <laughs> you're just chilling. Like, why am I chasing after you? We yeah. have a whole podcast dedicated to cats. <laughs> Nobody's dedicated a podcast to me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm worried about putting the bins out. You know, <laughs> Literally. So I think it's just that elite mindset. I think the mindset of a cat is the best thing of a cat, and I think yeah. that is. That is it in totality. Amazing. Bolu, thank you so much for joining us on Cats Got Your Tongue. Thank you so much for having me. 
So that is it for this week and for the first series of this podcast. Cats Got Your Tongue is made in association with the charity Cats Protection. Just want to say a big thanks to Dr. Boloesso for joining us today and answering all of our listener questions. And thanks again to Nikki, who's been by my side with expert advice throughout the series. And thank you to you as well for listening and sending in all of your cat's tales. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We're going to be back with a new series very soon with a brand new set of special guests. Don't forget as well, tell your friends with cats all about us. Share the podcast, give us a review, and we'll see you next time on Cats Got Your Tongue.